What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, October 30th, 2023, and this week's episode, Nganu becomes the people's champ. We'll talk about the seminal event from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and of course the heavyweight fight between Tyson Fury and former UFC champion, lineal UFC heavyweight champion Francis Nganu. Talk about the latest in MMA news, UFC 295 getting a major change-up just two weeks out. And we'll talk about the chatter around town before previewing this Saturday's UFC main event, the heavyweight bout between Derek Lewis and Jelton Almeida. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. We are here today to talk about the greatest boxing fight ever. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So uh, I'm assuming you saw it. I would hope so. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, it's kind of like, what am I doing here? Why are you here? What's your yeah. purpose in life? <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, Halloween Eve. Uh, is the house stocked up on candy over there, Natalie? You know, not any candy that I bought, but somehow candy. Not, I have nothing against candy, but somehow, you know, around Halloween, just people just start giving it to Joe from, you know, people we know, not strangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... uh yeah, we got some candy early the other day, and then uh, Saturday there was a birthday party, so there was a piñata with candy. So my man has been wanting candy for breakfast every day. <laughs> and uh, I mean, so do I, but I think that's right, for different right. reasons. <laughs> and if I'm not in the room, my husband gives it to him. <laughs> so Joe's been having candy for breakfast. Uh, and uh, I've been brushing his teeth extra, extra, extra hard. So <laughs> the joys of the joys of motherhood. Yeah, I say a lot so. Of fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. By the way, um, look, good times the night before Halloween. Um, this Saturday was a huge, huge event. Um, you know what? I don't even want to get into the pageantry because that's almost like its whole segment, to be honest. So let's just dig right into the fight. Lineal heavyweight champion Tyson Fury, the man who beat the man. I think they said he his history goes back from Joe Lewis, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson for sure, um, to now, you know, the present day heavyweight champion of the world. The UFC heavyweight title, lineally, the man who beat the man, stands for Francis Ngannou. It is still Francis Ngannou. He has not fought in MMA since. So you essentially you had two of the best ever, or at least the best of the moment, colliding. And to be honest, the fight absolutely blew away expectations, lived up to the hype, which I got to say, I think that was probably the biggest knock on the fight going in. If there was one thing by Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, it was that, you know what, we love Francis, but outside of that puncher's chance, we just don't think he's going to have the goods to get it done from what we've seen in MMA and what we've seen from Tyson in boxing. And Natalie Zamudio, I am here to tell you Monday morning, I still think Francis Ngannou won the fight by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> it was beautiful boxing. Um, I think, look, I'm not going to act like I know how to break it down like I do MMA, but your eyes could tell you pretty much the story of the fight. Francis varying his attack, worked the body, worked the head, searched southpaw. 
I thought he had very effective uh, boxing, if not the most beautiful, you know, beautiful technicality like we tend to see from some of the guys who've been doing it their whole lives and training and fighting in it like Tyson and the others. Um, Tyson, to his credit, took everything really well, even the knockdown in the third round, which obviously is the story of the fight. But I thought that Tyson... It just seemed like for as much as he was getting some fist-to-face, it wasn't as impactful. And maybe that's just, you know, the size and everything else. But I think that that was it. It just felt like while Francis' shots were more dramatic, maybe they came a little fewer in between. I think that Tyson got a lot more of those little punches in. And I know that is significant, but at the same time, I think to a lot of the fans watching, a lot of the pundits watching, it just felt like a couple more of those significant shots should have been in Francis' side. It felt like he was edging it out. Now, let's say it like it is. Close fight goes down the stretch. Um, one judge has it, Francis. The other two, Tyson. One scorecard gave it to Tyson by one point. Um, gets the split decision. What were your thoughts on the fight? It was a, a great fight, a, a great night for boxing and MMA. Did we finally get one? Did MMA finally get a win over boxing? Wouldn't not that a, have been something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not officially, right? But but the air is is thick with, uh, you know, MMA pride, the combat sports air, right? We feel uh, we're walking taller today, and we couldn't beat Jake Paul but we almost beat Tyson Fury, and that's pretty good. <laughs> so um, that uh, it, it was incredible. I'm, I'm, I was very impressed with Francis Ngannou, so impressed. If you didn't know his history, if you just turned the TV on and said someone said, hey, there's two heavyweights fighting uh, in, a, in a boxing match, you would never guess that his background was primarily MMA and that he was, you know, the champion, uh, uh, UFC heavyweight champion MMA, because he fit right in, right? I mean, he just fit right in, in the boxing ring. And we know him so well as the uh, sort of wild puncher in MMA, but how composed was he, man? Like, the most composed we've ever seen. And I think that there's a really bright future for Fred Zingano in the boxing world, and of course, we're still going to see him at PFL. So, like, is this guy right now, Francis Ngannou, is he the coolest dude? Not forget about baddest dude, right? Is he just, like, the coolest dude on earth? It, like, Tyson Fury, for all his victories, I, I feel like he, he never walked away. He never walked away from a Fury fight being like, man, that is the coolest dude who's done some amazing stuff. But when you take a look at Francis Ngannou's last five years, his rise through MMA, beating the people he beat, the way he beat them with vicious knockouts, sending them to the moon, always staying humble, staying noble, composed, leaving the UFC in the ballsiest move, saying he's going to get this fight, getting the fight, signing the big deal with the PFL, I mean, and still, still cracking jokes, still being you know, humble, but also completely aware of how much he's accomplished and how great he is. Like, I don't know, man, coolest dude on the planet, I would say for sure. Um, in addition to baddest, I was just blown away and really happy for Francis, really happy for MMA. I want a rematch. I don't think we're going to get one, but I want a rematch. 
one thing I respect about Tyson, he said, I never like a rematch clause for myself included because it's like, you know, that just takes away from the fight. I'd rather look, train hard, put everything on the line, you win or you lose, but at least, you know, it's on you and there's not that quote unquote out of a rematch. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I completely agree with you. I would love to see it again. The WBC president, who is, you know, the organization that Tyson Fury owns the title, or I should say holds the title. He did Mm -hmm. obviously win it, fighting Deontay Wilder. But the point is, Suleiman said, Francis will be ranked in the top 10 for WBC. Wow. If he were to fight for the heavyweight title again, or if he were to fight Tyson again, he would now be eligible to win the title because they don't just let anyone walk in and... Rocky Balboa is a movie. They don't just let you come <laughs> off the street and fight the heavyweight champion and potentially take all the belts and the hardware and now you're suddenly injected into the business. It doesn't work that way in real life. I was going to ask you, why wasn't the belt on the line? I never actually dug into the story there, so that's why? Y- yes, exactly. Even though, yes, he has a history, but it's like there's a rule and decorum to these things that they don't just throw out the window there's a lot of business involved for obvious reasons no one wants to let you know let's say hypothetically you walked in off the street landed that one in a billion punch on tyson and became heavyweight champion it just they can't just have it now it's like well we need to promote natalie zamudio as our wbc heavyweight champion and talk about contracts and tv and rules and this and it's like no we need a you know, we can't let it just work this way and all this other stuff. You got to earn it and you got to have the titles mean something and then the business of it all. Yeah. Um. All right. So, look, so let's get the easy one out of the way. Tyson Fury has a fight with Alexander Usyk. Everything I've heard is that the December 23rd date that they were throwing out there, that's officially out the window. Right. Let him recover. Let Too him go soon. with the family. Yeah. <laughs> Even if he had, you know... First minute or so knocked out Francis Ngannou. I wouldn't have wanted him back out there that fast. That's just a lot of wear and tear on the body. Tyson is fantastic, but, you know, not the spring chicken. I'd rather see him recover and have as many great fights as he can for a talent of his stature. So I want to say that first. For Francis, um, look, I mean, we talked about it. such a performance. You, you talk about his story, right? And... He's a very liked guy. I've spoken with him on several occasions, and really, what the guy you get on in video in in those interviews really is who he is in person. Very humble. Very. Even though he is heavyweight champion and he's a big deal, he certainly never. I've never seen him go through a room with this feeling like, "Yeah, I'm here to run the show and move on." Right. He is there to do a job as well, and I think he respects that other people are in 90% of these settings we see him in. You know, we got the media, we got the production, we have the assistants that make everything work and get people from A to B. Um, That guy, uh, and I think that's what translates to what you were saying, the coolest guy. When I say Ngannou becomes the people's champion... He would have had that Holly Holm effect had he beat Tyson Fury. He's always going to be that guy who did what no one thought he could do and yeah. pulled off this epic upset. In a way, I'm not going to say it was better than beating Tyson because that obviously was would have been just a different uh, magnitude. But for sure, the people feel this attachment to him that they didn't on Friday 
he just like this he did what no one thought he could do he went the distance he looked so fantastic and all that and it just became something and i think that the appreciation and the love for francis today is different and like i said short of beating tyson the love for him is just through the roof right now it's inspiring it was amazing it was impressive um i i, I tweeted this don't get it twisted there's going to be a lot of talk about business and the John Jones UFC situation of it all. The UFC heavyweight champion went over to boxing and almost took out arguably the best heavyweight they've ever seen. Certainly mm-hmm. the best of the era right now. Yep. Nganu has earned his flowers for life, in my opinion, competitively. What he's done in UFC to come over to boxing and represent himself and the decisions he made... You know, it's just give it to him. I don't know that the PFL necessarily gave him the flexibility that short of beating Tyson, you can now just keep boxing and we're just going to keep pushing back your debut. But you have to imagine Francis can't just leave that money on the table. Fights Fights with Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, certainly Tyson Fury again. All of that's on the table now. And certainly, I think that there's a lot of money for him to make in boxing. The PFL is paying top dollar for his MMA services. And yeah. I do believe they they had to have it in black and white somewhere that he must honor that within a certain time frame. Which is completely fair, in my opinion. They are the reason that he can do both. And he is getting paid double to get a boxing paycheck and MMA paycheck. So, yeah. I think that's completely fair that... He does honor that. I I think that, you know, regard. I think depending on where we stand, probably around this time next year, will determine what do we really want for Francis Ngannou in terms of the time frame. I think if he were to fight somebody in the spring, maybe early summer, like, for example, the winner of the heavyweight tournament for the PFL on pay-per-view, then about this time next year, maybe we could talk about Deontay and Joshua. Maybe it's Alexander Usyk. You don't know. So I think that the doors are open in a way, financially certainly, but when you talk about legacy, maybe Francis is that guy who can do it both, and that would be so beautiful and amazing. But at least for now today, financially, he's set himself up for an extra payday, and I think that's probably the biggest thing of it all, We have all this fumble the bag, gimmick fight, did he fumble the bag? Not only did he not fumble it, I think he's got another one coming his way this time next year. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Do you think Dana White's going to eat crow when they ask him on Tuesday? uh, Is there still a contender series? I don't know. No, it's uh, it's over for the summer. Whenever the next um, press conference is, do you think he will admit that he was wrong about Nganu, or will he say, no, no, Fury won the fight? I mean, what do you think he's going to say? He's got to be a smart promoter. Look, in all all joking aside with Dana, and I've said this several times about UFC, including here, the UFC knows there's talent out there. They're not going to pay, you know, they're, they're not going to do a bidding war for everyone. They right. have a roster that they are happy with. Make no mistake, Dana knows that they let Francis Ngannou go, particularly last week when you have the injury to John Jones, which we will talk about, and then you see everything that was happening. There is very clearly, you know, it, it's a competition, right? 
And if you were to put into MMA terms, UFC is always winning the MMA fight. But man, they lost that round against Boxing and Francis. Oh yeah, big time. And, and here's the thing. Dana, I mean, it's kind of like, bro, you, you're worth how many million? You'll get over it. But in this moment, ego-wise, of course, it, it had to have been a little bit like, oh, I got to hear about this all week. But <laughs> once again, that's a first world problem. First I mean, world problem, yeah. it, I'll tell you what, Dana has the kind of money, if he wants to go to the Hamptons and pay people to not utter the word Francis and Ganu or boxing, he has the kind of money he could do that. And mind you, I probably could work the rest of my life and i a nine to five job and i would never be able to afford that so you know put it this way put it into context it is what it is so yeah but certainly i i think that everyone knows that inganu and pfl won the fight for the past week um i want to talk a little bit about a lot a lot of the pageantry we don't mm-hmm. francis inganu will fight pfl first most likely We'll talk about boxing another day, but when you talk about just the uh, th- this event, I gotta say, I really wish they got things cooking faster. Because by the time Saturday rolled around, you have all this pageantry, you have all the boxing and MMA champions yeah. together. You probably saw the photo at some I did. point. It was incredible. They got everybody there, and they even got Hasbula's arch rival in the front row, bro. Like, who was that does... dude with the little with the little curly hair? That guy. No, the little guy in the white suit in the photo. Oh, okay. He's like three foot nothing. Yeah, yeah, that guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's got the same condition as Hasbula, obviously, just, um, you know, yeah. d- genetically and all that. Yeah. But, you know, uh, the fact that he was out there enthusiastic, it's like, bro, you would have thought he was Canelo or something, the way he was posing. But, okay, you know, you got invited to the party. Cristiano Ronaldo is all the way in the back row. Yeah. I mean, what the heck? But, okay. I mean, everybody is there. Tyson, Teddy Atlas, um, Dina uh, Pacquiao, Brazil's uh, Ronaldo, yeah, yeah. And and then it's like, wait, what? Like, is this like the official like Hall of Fame? Everyone's there gala. Um, you get the event off. Becky G and others are performing. Um, Eminem is there. Uh, just uh, obviously Usyk's a great presence all week, and it just became this whole thing and i was like the the walkouts i thought the the walkouts were almost perfect i would argue i don't like the two-part walkout and it felt like they both got two songs to walk out to yeah the ramp was long enough but it felt like there was a whole walkout before the walkout that's about the only thing that i didn't um i didn't like everything else you know they're both on the thrones they yeah. both have these really regal-looking boxing robes. And the crowns, uh, yeah. Yes, chef's kiss there. Um, just the beautiful execution. If anything, I didn't like the battle of the baddest. Because while that is true, I almost felt like you could have sold it as the two kings. Yeah. And I know the poster, the first poster had that. I know they had the crowns and the two statues, which, by the way, another chef's kiss. Those statues are so freaking awesome <laughs> in the UK. I felt like, oh, who is really the baddest man? I was like, I feel like the it wasn't a bad shot, but the better shot would have been the king of MMA, the king of Africa, taking on the king of boxing, the king of the UK. I felt like that story was the one that we were getting, but they weren't saying it. 
And I would have liked that. That's about the only faux pas I feel they really had all week. Everything else was just beautifully done. I mean, what else? I mean, what would you like to say? What was your reaction to everything? Yeah, I mean, I actually was was really impressed. Now, did it take too long to get to the main event? It did. And I, I to be fair, I actually was not watching live until the end, the second half. Yep. I had a, a birthday party to go to. You know, it was way more important than uh, mom life. <laughs> mom life. And I swore to you, Double G, we got home by three thirty. And I told my husband, I was like, oh, man, I missed the fight. You know, I better just, you know, let's pull it up and see, you know, what happened. I don't, I don't want to get any spoilers or anything. And then I turned on the the app and I was like, oh, man, it's barely on round eight. Or, you know, it's still in round eight. I was like, how is this possible? It started at 11 and it's already 3.30. Okay, anyway. So I went back, though, because I wanted the full experience. I wanted to put myself there in the moment. I watched all the fanfare. Uh, I did fast forward through Lil Baby and Becky G, but I saw parts of it. You know, I like the drum line at the beginning, all that good stuff. So it was cool. The stage with the, the circle stage, you know, with the water. I, I'll say this. The commentators were talking about this stage and this ramp. They were calling it state of the art like you've never seen before. Am I the only one who's seen this before? Like a, a stage where the floor looks like water, like Super Bowl... You know, like, this is not the first time this has happened. So they were definitely kissing a little bit of uh, Riyadh butt, and I get it. You, you probably want to do that. I mean, I will say, I know, like, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan, and that was, like, the big thing, the whole jump into the stage, like, water. Yeah, yeah we've seen it. I will say what was more baller, and I almost wish they had more around it, the ring coming out of the floor. I don't know if you saw that one when I they did, did see it. That. Yeah, yeah I saw and that. It, when it rose, I was like, I almost like, okay, look, this would endanger thousands of people, but I almost wanted like four lions sitting in the corners or something, yeah, <laughs> like some, a something real it, gladiator feeling. I was like, right. it's I like would have been like, set up, and then <laughs> here comes the ring. And again, I'm pretty sure Bellator and other promotions, you know, have WWE, you know, lowers the cage down over the ring. Like, this yes. is not a new thing, but the commentators were acting like we've never seen this before. But okay, I'll let that go. I just felt like yeah. they were being, they were lying. I mean, come on, <laughs> don't pretend. But anyway. I mean, hey, still... remember, tri- $1 trillion, Natalie. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It was they they really got cool. money to do this. <laughs> right. They want to come back. They want to get the, the, the call for the rematch, right? So they... Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was still freaking cool. I like the like the LED flags of the, you know, the countries and stuff coming out with the with the, the capes, the, the whatever, the cloaks, and Mike Tyson taking the crown off of Nganu. And then you got Adesanya and Usman there, and it's like, yeah, baby, MMA. But, you know, it was interesting because when Tyson walked down that hallway, he had, like, all these boxers there, right? Yes. Pacquiao, Holyfield. um, I I don't know if Tyson was there, too, but Mike Tyson. All kinds of boxers there, giving him high fives. Like, it, it was cool in theory, but a little bit weird. I liked it better the way it ended up for Nganu with just the two dudes that, you know, from Africa that he was rolling with and, and yeah. UFC. So I thought that was cooler. Uh, I, I would say I think that's a little bit the the UFC was not part of this event. Exactly. It may so. have been a, that <laughs> awkwardness, but like, yeah, it, I, I would have almost liked for Fury 
just have the boxers kind of almost like the fans, like when they're walking down to the ring. Yeah. And he just kind of touches gloves like he's touching hands with the fans and he just walks by all the boxers kind of, you know, like that almost give him their energy for this fight to represent them. I thought that would have been a little better, but it was a little awkwardly executed. Not bad. They didn't think, do anything bad. No, they didn't. You're right. They but it was awkwardly ideas. executed a few times. Yeah. And, and and I give it to him. It's like if you're in a room and you have all the money in the world and you can pay to bring the best fighters to your place, to your arena, and they all agree to come, you want to put them everywhere you can, right? Take a picture of them, shove a red glove on their fist and make them hold it up in the air. You know, yeah. that was also cheesy. However... I get it, man. You have all these great ideas and good for them for getting everything like from their brain into reality, right? They made all that stuff come true. Just the cheese factor was a little high, but again, as you said, nothing was terrible. It was all awesome or good or pretty good, right? It was it was all above above um, you know, I I think they just had so many pieces that maybe they didn't devote quite enough time to executing all those little things well. Yep. That's a lot of people to organize and coordinate, right? It and is. it's like, you know, what are we really going to do? How do we maximize this? So, like I said, not bad, just a little awkwardly executed. But, you know, I could live with it. It didn't hurt my experience, I'll nope. say that. We're splitting hairs. Um, like I said, the UFC aspect, I think that's a big part why there weren't more. I mean, if UFC was a part of this... I mean, every champion who's not like John Jones or Pereira and the guys fighting next week probably would have been there for this. And just like they would have just welcomed Francis to to the to the ring and say, all right, go get him for us, bro. Yeah. Um, I actually like the way that it worked out with Adesanya Kamar Usman. And I know they they support each other. I don't doubt that they have a group chat where they're just like... (laughs) No, look, they know where they come from. They know yeah. not many people get to this level and there's three of them at one time who were doing so well. That I, I actually love that camaraderie. It made me, it, once again, you it grounded Francis in a way that made him more relatable. And I think that lends to the people's champion of it all that I kept talking about. Um, this underdog story and, you know, he's there with them together and... You know who they are and you're fans of the three objectively, but together and the way they're with each other. It it was really nice because we've never really seen it all three together. They rarely do it, especially before a fight. Um, I love that. Uh, Final note, I really liked Francis talked about it. A few other people quoted it. He goes to the ring and they do the face off before the fight. They touch gloves and Francis says that Fury said to him, you know, get ready for me to take you to school. Yep. Francis knocks him down and says, well, you must be a bad professor, you know, <laughs> expletive. And I'm like, my man, I want that energy for life. You know what I mean? Dude, yeah. The balls, the guts to shimmy over yeah. a fallen Tyson Fury. I mean, I, come I get couldn't some. believe it, dude. I couldn't believe he did that because that's out of character, right? He's not a showboater. He's not a trash talker. Just that little subtle shimmy. Like, okay, what you got? But it was only because, as you said, Tyson Fury prompted him at the beginning. That's beautiful, man. That's just class act. (laughs) And by the way, Tyson took that shot really well. It wasn't that Deontay Wilder shot, I'll say that. Yeah, I know. 
Am I still excited to see Tyson versus Usyk? Yes, I, I always wanted to see history. Um, I'll be honest, because of the hype for the U, you know, the the Battle of the UK, I was disappointed when we didn't get Joshua versus Fury. Yeah. Because it's like, dude, that would have been great. The real King of England and all that and all the belts. I, I really wanted to see that. Not that Usyk isn't obviously a badass and a hero himself fighting for the Ukraine, but it's like. I'm glad that we still get that fight while Tyson's undefeated, to be honest with you. Because I want that for those guys too, as a fan of combat sports objectively. Um, but yeah, Francis is Francis is the winner of the night. Tyson won the fight, and Ghana won the night. Yeah. Easiest way to say it. But um, loved it. You can't do it every week, but I'm glad we got it this week. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. that's the best way I could say it. Uh... I'm just trying to think. I, I don't want to miss anything. Just the money they had to have paid to bring everybody out. Eminem and all these guys, all the boxing guys, a bunch of the UFC legends. You see yeah. Chuck Liddell, Connor, Frank Mir was, was yeah. Frank Mir was hiding out there in the photo I saw. Oh, it's like, dude, you got everybody you could think of. Do you think um, they paid them actual like money or just covered all the expenses? I saw a thing that. Uh, Leo Messi is paid millions just to post about Saudi Arabia a few times a year. Wow. I don't doubt that they paid their trip out. Remember, they own the hotels anyway. Right. So it's just like, you know, hey, give these guys uh, four suites. Okay. You know, yeah. like I have it already. Yeah, it's like brand, in <laughs> yeah, brand ambassadorship, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, guest houses. Who's willing to loan one to Eminem? Psh, right here. Chic number one. He could take of you know what, what is it um uh chateau or whatever yeah. you know like that the little house on the beach i'm trying to think of the name the hut no uh, no the, uh, uh, they do no. they do <laughs> oh, my like resorts like the fire festival was supposed to have them villa the villa, oh, villa. Okay. take my villa like hey he could have villa number nine for me yeah. it's got freaking jacuzzi and you know, 200 inch flat screen. Yeah. But so do you think they cut them like, Hey, I'm going to pay you 10 grand or not 10 grand, a much bigger number. I'm going to pay you a hundred thousand grand, come out here and we're going to also cover all your expenses, pay for, you know, give you a room, whatever. Or do you think it was just, we'll cover everything? Well, remember their idea of covering the room and all that. I mean, you're talking about one of the most extravagant places in the world. So right. they probably flew them first class and they probably yeah. staying at a really swanky hotel. They probably gave them like, gifts too, probably like watches and Even, all that stuff. Put it this way, their hotels that are five-star, other five-star hotels, when they walk by, they say, damn, that's a five-star <laughs> hotel. You get what I'm saying? They're like, I thought I was five-star. Yeah, exactly. No, they're like, no, like there's five-stars and then there's, I, I think that's a 10. Yeah, <laughs> for real. But So that's my impression. Of course, there's a, they were treated well. Yeah. They were... They made it worth it for the people to fly 18 hours to Saudi, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could talk about it all day, but just beautifully executed. I think that um, I, I told you I'd like PFL to do this. Make people feel like they are missing out if they don't tune in. And I think the last few days, Thursday to Saturday, they did that beautifully. And I think that if there's one knock on them, it's that they didn't get the buzz going sooner. Because I think if it had, it would have been even bigger. But because it took them a minute to get everybody there and get the throw the gas on the fire, 
I think that's why, you know, come Monday morning, I was like, man, are they not going to tune in because they feel like it's a foregone conclusion and Mm -hmm. it's not in your face? They did it when it mattered, but I would have wanted it a little sooner. Once again, not bad, but, you know, could have been executed just a bit better to get more hype. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And then I wonder, too, you know, about the the time difference. Like, obviously, it's not all about America. Oh, yeah. Not everyone realized that it's at three o'clock, four o'clock. And for something this big, this huge, this special, like. Do you miss out on the dollars? I don't know. I mean, I'm am I still the only one that pays that loves to pay full price for pay per views? I'm so. telling you, we could go to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> bring Joe. Bring I'll your bring husband. Him, yeah. like, bro, I like, like not place, just but... you know. You could take them out, walk around, yeah, come yeah. back. What do you think? What do you think the, the numbers are going to be for this? I mean, have you heard anything already? There's I, a. I haven't. I, I down the stretch had to have broken the million. Yeah, right? I feel like it. Um, it had to have. I will say it was so. If anything, I feel like Saudi felt like they got their money out of it, in terms of getting the word out about yeah. having fights there. By the and, way, did you realize two arenas? They had the prelims in one little arena, and then there was a big house, like the big tent for the main event. I didn't realize that, but that makes sense because at some point I saw like a bunch of people just rushing into the the seats yes. and i was like oh were they just like late <laughs> but okay yeah, i get was, it <laughs> that was wild that was wild hey man wait hold on though because i'm still like sure do you um this is what i'm thinking now about oh um sorry i got distracted first of all do you think that um when francis and ganu goes to mma back to mma for pfl mm-hmm. are you worried that you know, the risk of injury, right, And mm-hmm. MMA is, like, so much greater. Quantity and quality of shots to all parts of your body. Yeah. Um, you know, is he is is he going to stick around? Do you think he's going to stick around in MMA for a long time or just kind of, you know, finish, do this deal that he made with PFL and that's it? Because if he hurts his legs, you know, tears something bad, like, there's a real future in boxing for him with way more money. And now I'm a little worried that um, he could really get hurt if he goes back when he goes back to MMA. Is that crazy? No. Um, I mean, there's that risk when you go out there for your first amateur fight, then the championship. You know, it's all anything could happen out there. In regards to Nganu and the business of it all, I mean, what did I tell? You? What's rule number one? Secure, secure the, bag. the bag. That's what I mean. The bag is he's, in boxing. He, but he secured the bag already. Well, yeah. So, so say. here's what I would say to that, uh, to your point. He needed the PFL aspect to secure the boxing bag because remember, it, if we're t- calling it like it is, the universe kind of gave Francis Ngannou the gift. Right. It was supposed to be Alexander Usyk on Saturday. Those talks fell apart. It opened the door for Francis to have this moment. That wasn't a guarantee in February. You remember this. I remember this. So had the big boxing fight not happened, he would have needed that PFL bag. He got a chance to have them both now. Now, in regards to the future, I think there's going to be a level of you need to honor your PFL deal. But if he does stay healthy and he has these boxing fights out there, I can't help but say, hey, he may just choose to be the, you know, his role in PFL Africa and then 
competitively just choose to box. Because PFL, while they would love as many fights while Francis is on top as possible, there is also this idea of, hey, he signed for four fights, which means we get to do the most we can with four fights. Whatever yeah. we pay him, it's three, four fights. Two, maybe it's only two fights. Maybe it's just three fights. Let's say, generously, he signed a three-fight deal, which mm-hmm. will still be huge for PFL. He may just be like, all right, I'm going to do my three, but I also need to do this now because I'm leaving too much on the table on in boxing. Yeah. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Um, I think that's a real thing. But for sure, I think that there is a level of now you didn't have the bag, so you had to sign this deal. Or not had to, but you signed this deal so you would win no matter what. Now it's like, well, you kind of got to honor it in order to maximize your earnings. But for sure, if there's a lot of money out there on the table for him, he knows that he wants to get to that as soon as possible exclusively now. Yeah. It's just he has to complete his other obligations first. So, all right, yeah. Um, look, good stuff, good times in the kingdom. Like I said, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll leave it at this: good things happen to good people. That's right. And a good thing happened to a good guy in Francis, and I think that was beautiful. Um, we had a, earlier in the week, we had a little bit of heartbreak. John Jones, you know, it's announced, gets injured. Uh, the UFC next week in Madison Square Garden. Main event is going to be the previously scheduled fight between Yuri Prohoshka and Alex Pereira. But now added to the card, the interim heavyweight title fight, uh, the backup fighter Sergei Pavlovich will be taking on Tom Aspinall. So Dana White said eight months. That number is always generous. That number is always, you know, snap your fingers, magic genie gives you the best recovery, eight months. Yeah. You all, like, uh, Alex, per, sorry, Yiri was talking about in July. It's going to be November. It's like, th- that's a generous number. What was your reaction to hearing this news? John Jones is out. Um, not the 11th hour, but anything under three weeks always hurts. What did you think? Man, at first I was like, is this a, is this a joke? Because I was just seeing the video of him you know, sparring or wrestling, and then he holds his peck. I was like, what? And then, you know, I see the Dana White thing, and it, it was, like, late at night, so they posted it right away. I think they didn't want to get, um, they didn't want the news to break before, you know, they wanted to control the story, right? Unlike what happened with Oliveira and Hamzat, or, I'm sorry, and um, Islam. So I couldn't believe it. And I thought, okay, well, who's Stipe going to fight? And it's like, no, he's not fighting anyone. <laughs> it's just completely changed. So I was very surprised, man. And yeah, the the type of injury, bicep or sorry, pec muscle tearing from the tendon like that, that sounds, as you say, longer than eight months. That's like the uh, you know wishful thinking timeline. There's his age to consider. You know, time outside of the cage at this point is growing and growing. I'm surprised that Stipe is like. I don't know. I guess he's still sort of entertaining the idea of fighting John Jones at some point, but like, it's going to be at least a year, dude. And then what is that even how much value, how valuable is that fight at that point with two guys who yes, are amazing heavyweights champions, but haven't fought in years. Um, I'll still watch it. Of course, there's no doubt, but it's very disappointing because it, I just feel like it, it, 
it downgrades the value of that fight whenever it does happen. And then I'm thinking about Stipe, like, is he really, really, really only willing to fight John Jones? That's it? Like, otherwise he's done? And, you know, how much longer can he really realistically wait for this guy to recover? So um, as far as a replacement goes, honestly, I was not... It's a good, it's a great fight. I just was not like over the moon about it because it, nothing can come close. Like that doesn't come close to Jones Stipe. I don't know what would. Yeah. Maybe if you said McGregor, anybody, then I'd be like, okay. Or, you know, um, man, I can't think of who else would have made that, you know, comparable. I mean, no one else on short notice would have yeah. been as good. Yeah. Um, I, I get what you're saying. It kind of feels like now. I mean, this is just for legacy now, right? It's a legacy fight. It's not about the two best, it feels like, with John and Stipe. Yep. Um, I mean, this will be, what, coming up on three years, potentially, for Stipe? I mean, he lost the belt, I believe, in 21. It, he's not going to fight Jones till 24. I mean... Yeah, that's... Um, it, it, made me, it made me think, was Stipe considering retirement, you know... Before this, and then it's like, well, I'm not going to just let the John Jones bag walk away, you know, which I, I can't blame him, you know, what? once again, secure the bag. But I, I completely get what you're saying. It feels like, well, now this is John Jones, if he comes back, mind right. you, saying, well, that that's it, just one. And, you know, he's kind of essentially implied, I have nothing to gain by fighting the young lions anymore right mm -hmm. the stipe fight was always about legacy and the resume and completing that little gambit of the fighters of his era but yeah for sure it kind of feels like you couldn't promote this at the, as the two best heavyweights you could promote it as the best ever but it's like the top two heavyweights at least if john jones is one of them the other one at this moment is respectfully not stipe it's probably aspinall or pavlovich which they deserve their respect. I mean, they're freaking, you know, destroying guys right now, as two young Lions tend to at the heavyweight yeah. division. So, you know, it, it reminds me of, do you remember when uh, Bisping won the title? Of course. And then they go forward, like there's injuries and all that, but then they make the fight between him and GSP, mm -hmm. but then they have an interim fight between Rob Whitaker and Yoel. Oh. And then GSP wins, vacates the title. Vacates, yeah. But they never, no one ever said a word about GSP Whitaker. They never did. And GSP retires and then Whitaker's undisputed champ. And it's like, that's what this feels like. Probably, if John, let's say John Jones wins or Stipe wins. Okay. They may retire as champion, but the best heavyweight in that moment may just respectfully be Tom or Sergey. Or maybe Jelton Almeida, who we're going to talk about in a minute. But th that, to me, is what I sense in this. Is that by the time we get there, I don't know how I feel about Stipe's chances. I think John is kind of doing this. This is the victory lap. This isn't about adding to the resume as much as, let me get one more in to put the bow on what's already an amazing career. And that's the end of that. Um, would Dana White love for... Tom or Sergey to fight Jones? Yeah, but I don't I think they've everyone's made it clear that's just not what they want and in their plans and at this stage that means it's not going to happen. So that's how I feel about that. 
Yeah, it's kind of messed up and it is what it is. Like, yeah, we have to just sort of accept the fact that this may never happen or when it does, it's going to be basically a, a Legends one-off fight. Yeah. And that's it, yeah. Yeah, no, mind you, like I said, I John Jones still hasn't lost. When they announce a comeback, it's going to be a big fight as it should be. But yeah, I acknowledge the top guys at heavyweight, you know, it's not Stipe right now. And so no. that does make it feel more awkward for sure. Um. I want to talk about the guys now on the marquee. Tom Aspinall, I think the big thing to note, he was just kind of going to be part of the audience. Sergey was training to at least make weight and potentially be a backup, but backup is always like, now you got to ask, how hard were you really training? Was it Were you just making weight or did you honestly believe something could happen to either of these guys? Then there's the fact he's not fighting John or Stipe. And it's just like, I don't, uh, you know, I, I love the fight objectively. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I wish they had a full camp because now this feels like the whole Volkanovski and Islam, right? And it's like, well, you know, guys on short notice, uh, they have the name, but are we getting the version of them that we feel is the best? More importantly, as a paying fan, are you getting the version of them that you pay 85 bucks for on pay-per-view? Yeah. I don't know. Um, the common sense answer is not quite, unfortunately. But I also understand you lost John Jones. I don't know if you were reading these. They were talking about the price for the John Jones tickets at MSG being astronomical. Just get, People were spending thousands of dollars for already an expensive ticket any other day of the week. Mm-hmm. But then you had the fact it's potentially John Jones' last fight. It's MSG. It's UFC. It's add all these things together. I have no doubt that there are many diehard fans that saw this as, hey, last chance to ever see John Jones. Paid top dollar hotel tickets. Remember, most people don't go to these things themselves. You know, you married, you take your wife, you, you know, your right, kids right. fans, <laughs> you know, my, my boys want to go too. I obviously got to go with them. Yeah. You're talking very rarely do people buy one ticket. You got to buy two or three, ma- you know, minimum. Yeah. And sure. it's like John Jones is off the card. You had to do something because while they do say card subject to change, it's not when main events fall out, they tend to offer refunds. I think for the simple fact that they don't want to battle thousands of people with Ticketmaster who are demanding money back when the main event falls through. Yeah. But particularly for the John losing John Jones, I have no doubt that Tuesday morning when they announced it, Ticketmaster was getting bombarded with people who said, <laughs> I'm out. How do I sell this ticket? I paid resale. How do I get my money? Help me out. I have no doubt that happened. And so... You add Tom and Sergey, short notice or not, it's kind of like putting a bandage over a very serious cut. It may be holding some skin together, but it is for sure not stopping the bleeding. You know? Right. So, yeah. That, that's what I think. That's why I think that move was made. Once again, I mean, Tom on the comeback, fantastic. Before the injury, looked fantastic. Sergey Pavlovich, he's so. You know, man of few words, doesn't speak English, but he's just murking guys. Yeah. And fans love that vibe from him. Completely get it. I love the fight. 
it's just not John Jones. Right. It's not the last fight of John Jones ever, which was going to be a big deal. And so we have what we have. Um, you got essentially, you know, uh, it's a decent card. Uh, really, the price you're paying is for that three-pack. Jiri and Alex, violence guaranteed. Let's guaranteed. go. Tom and Sergey, and then you got uh, Mackenzie Dern coming back. Oh my God, I'm blanking on the name right now. Jessica Andrash, Battle of the Brazilians. So oh, decent, yeah. but the John Jones, once again, it's like in March, and I was there. I'll tell you right now. If John Jones won, nothing else mattered. Had John Jones lost, nothing else mattered. <laughs> That's the effect he had. Mm-hmm. This is who he is. We don't have John Jones on Saturday. So it does, it, we have a great fight. It's a decent card. They're going to show out, but you don't have John Jones anymore. That, to me, is going to be the thing that hangs over it, unfortunately. So there we are. Mm-hmm. Um, look, so let's talk about a little bit of the chatter around town, Natalie, just before we move on. Uh, Dana White teased a potential event in China before the end of the year. Uh I saw Tapology was circling December 9th. There's no room for a pay-per-view. The week after December 9th is the 16th, which is already 296 in Vegas. So either, and I don't like this idea, you kind of randomly throw a title fight between Zhang Weili and Yan Shonan, or there's all this anticipation, uh, yeah, <laughs> anticipation for China and after all that, you don't have the two China, the Chinese champion and number one contender fighting for the belt. Um, so I just was wondering, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's interesting. I think maybe it'll be like a Noche UFC, you know, for Shevchenko and Grasso, where it's a title fight, but it's just not on a pay-per-view, but it's something very special and unique. And so it's still going to be, you're still going to make a big deal out of it. That's my guess. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it has to be has to have Zhang Weili, right? I mean, what what would be the point? <laughs> I just... Okay. They haven't announced a fight for it. It's Tomorrow's the last day of October. The fight is on December 9th. So unless they're both training and they haven't said anything, which, how do they keep that secret? I would feel like for them to go back to China, but yet you somehow miss that opportunity to have Weili and Shanan... Mm-hmm. It's like, how did you let that one happen? And yes, it's a good fight anywhere. It's huge in China. Like, it would be an amazing fight night event, especially if they do it local time. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you know, just almost like just that one's almost bigger for business than it is for one night. Like global business in China to have the Chinese champion against the contender. That's huge, in my opinion. So... Will they have a good fight? Will Wei Li and Shannon be there in attendance? Yeah, but it's kind of like how much more perfect could you want? They're both on the timetable. They're both ready to go. But yet, because it came together with less time, you couldn't do it. That would be disappointing, you know? So Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to hope that Dana has been talking to them and they're like, you know, we're making the fight. Just be ready. And they've been ready before they announce it. So they're not just starting to train tomorrow right, if they right. announce it. That's my point. So that's my hope on that one. 
Um, other big news, uh, Bud Light signs a historic sponsorship deal. Um, remember, they were the partner with the UFC for a long time. I believe it was 2017. The UFC made the deal with Modelo. Now UFC is back with Bud Light in 2024. A good on-again, off-again relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, who doesn't like that drama? <laughs> I know that the DraftKings deal is reportedly worth like over seven figures. So what do we think this Bud Light deal is when they say biggest sponsorship in the history of UFC? Natalie, what do you think? Uh, it's got to be hundreds of millions, right? But like what? Wait, hold on. Six figures. Seven figures is what? A million. million. Million, yeah. Yeah. I would say I would say a hundred million. <laughs> hundred million. Oof. Is that too much? <laughs> you know what? Okay, so here's my one thing about it. There's obviously a lot of brand exposure every fight every week you see a damn giant bud light logo so you do get that billboard indefinitely right yeah i get that but it's like man i mean does that does just seeing it all the time really sell that many beers that it's worth that dollar amount i think it's the commercials that because the modelo commercials were awesome yeah Right. I mean, they were that was a campaign that they did not create. They did not create it for the UFC, but they found a really cool way to incorporate. Yeah, integrate it to the thing. Um, was Ortega, Nunez, and I can't remember who else. Cheeto had one, no? Uh, maybe. Yeah. And so those commercials were great. Mm-hmm. Toyo tires are so those commercials are so cheesy. And you but know, they're, they're they're liberally made that way. Yeah. Well. Okay. I know. I get what you mean. I don't yeah, know, okay, but they're so, still so, effective either and way. So, but but so so Toyo tires, but it still keeps the brand in my name. Now, if I lived alone and had no influence from you know someone that loves cars and knows about cars, I might try to buy Toyo tires just because you know it's like a UFC thing, right? Or because you know they have the sponsorship. And so, um, so but we're talking about Bud Light, which is like you know obviously the biggest beer brand in the world, the biggest beer brands in the world. Um, my, my feeling is that they have the budget and the means, the know-how, the experience to make some killer commercials. I don't know what they're going to be, of course. Um, hopefully it'll be funny. You know, I'm thinking back to, uh, wasn't Bud, Bud Light, uh, what's up? Wasn't that them? And the frogs? Is that them? I'd have to look back. I can't say. <laughs> I've seen other Bud Light commercials. <laughs> I think they had one with like a little rescue dog. That one I I really liked. I thought you know, that one so, was charming. I mean, oh, my point is that these guys know what they're doing. I don't know if they were even doing Bud Light commercials with UFC fighters for the previous sponsorship deal. But this time around, I think they're hell-bent on um, reframing themselves, repairing, rehabbing their brand. They went, you know, full masculine by going with UFC they got Dana White saying, I believe in Anheuser-Busch's core values. Like, that's worth a lot. When you think about who Dana White is almost like, is you know, his best friends with, <laughs> Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Whose ear he has, and Bud Light is trying to rehab their image because of all the stuff that happened with the... Um, the oh, transgender the, uh, situation. Yeah, that stuff. Their spokesman. Yeah. Exactly. So... Or spokesperson. I mean, I, I recall seeing pictures at baseball stadiums where, like, no one was in line for Bud Light because they were so put off by this moment in time with, you know, their their marketing. So I think this was a a smart move for both brands, more for Bud Light than for UFC, frankly, because um, Dana White's right. You know, they have lots of lots of beer companies wanting to give them a lot of money. Um, so something that Bud Light probably said to them, like, we're going back, 
to the old school ways, core values, whatever that is for them, something that aligns with Dana White's values. And um, all that being said, I hope we get some good commercials. But yeah, to your original point, which is when you just put the logo on the in the center of the cage, how does that sell beers? I don't know how much it does. It's got to be the commercials. It's got to be the supplemental stuff. Um, get creative. Do something funny. Do something cool. We'll see what they do. Um, yeah. We do still have one more event, Natalie, this Saturday. We welcome in November with the heavyweights. You have this very young top prospect looking to break into the picture. Jailton Almeida taking on the all-time knockout leader, Derek Lewis. Jailton gets to take the fight in Brazil. Home country advantage. You know, Natalie, the thing I like most about watching Jailton, he's reminds me a little bit of a young Frank Mir. Just like, if you remember when Frank fought Brock Lesnar, just so lean and fast mm-hmm. and... Jelton is a little bit of that. He's just a bigger version of that Frank Mir. Fast, long, like it, it, that. He is a physical specimen himself, and on a technical level, he's so good when he gets you down. It makes it so fun to watch. You know who Derek Lewis is. I love who Derek Lewis is. He's fun. He's affable. Um, Mr. Manscaped himself. They need to give him some Manscaped shorts. <laughs> But he's about to go out there, and it's like, all right, you have a great fight now. All-time knockout leader, striker versus grappler, though. At least Curtis Blades had the wrestling. What are your thoughts now? We have a great grappler taking on, relatively short notice, the knockout leader. It's a, you know, it makes me a little nervous for Derek Lewis because he just got a win. He just got back into the win column, what was it, uh, July with uh, Marcos Ruggiero de Lima, and it was exciting, you know, fly me, and it was Great, 33 seconds, like, amazing. That's the Derek Lewis we've been wanting to see. Now, to be fair, his losses were against the Sergeys, right? So those are two pretty tough up-and-coming dudes and tied to Ivasa. So, okay, you can make a case saying, well, it's just really tough competition. Is um, Almeida this kind of level of tough competition? I don't know, man, because, you know, Derek Lewis is always surprisingly athletic, as we saw with the flying knee. Um, But once he gets taken down, it's kind of over. He just doesn't usually have a lot of fight in him. And I'm worried that that's what's going to happen here. So as much as I want to see Derek Lewis continue that uh, uh, winning streak of, of, you know, from one to two, I think Almeida's going to get him down and uh, probably on a Derek Lewis whiff, He's going to go in for a takedown and um, submit him round one, honestly. Rear naked choke or something round one. Oof. I know. No belief in the beast. I know. I want him to win. Just don't think he will. The full camp for Jilton, I think, is the difference maker. Um, You know, I will say Grant Dawson, I think everybody wrote off Bobby Green the way Grant Dawson was fighting and then look what happened. I always believe in a guy like Derek Lewis. Part of me feels like we are in an era where we're about to have a new big four. Um, or I, I guess a big five. I mean, the heavyweights, we respect the Stipe. The fact that John Jones is at the top. To me, we're in the era where you got Aspinall, Pavlovich, Spivak. Excuse me, I'm sorry, I just had water. Um, Aspinall, Pavlovich, Spivak, Gone, and Jailton. feel like Jailton wins. 
We have a big five where any one of those guys could be champion any given night. It's the new guard at heavyweight. And I think this is just now his coming out party to say, hey, it's, you know, we're, everybody's not here until I'm in the picture too. And I think that's what we're getting from Jelton. Mm-hmm. I'm going to roll with you. I'm sorry, Derek. First round <laughs> sub also for Jelton. Okay. See? <laughs> yeah. And uh, there we have it. Natalie, next week we got a lot more X's and O's. We do still have two title fights in the Big Apple. Alex Pereira, Yuri Prohoshka, and then Aspinall Pavlovich. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Look, I mean, they made a good fight, right? And in spite of, of losing the much a much bigger fight, they were still able to do something really exciting. So I am looking forward to Aspinall Pavlovich, and of course Prohoshka and um, now I'm trying to blank. Sorry. Um, Prohoshka and Pereira. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, that's gonna be a killer fight. So excitement levels are still high. It's just, uh, you know, it's not the same. It is what it is, though. I'm moving on with my life and looking forward to this fight. Yeah, um, I think objectively, it's um, it's just a really good, like, two-pack at the top of it. Um, I'm trying to see who else they have. Obviously, we talk about Mackenzie Dern, Jessica Andrade. Yeah. On short notice, you have to show some respect to Aspinall and uh, Pavlovich. They are still a great, great two talents coming up. Diego Lopez, Pat Sabatini, like it. Matt Frivola, Benoit Saint Denis, Matt Schnell, Tapita Ritchie, Lupi Godinez. It's a decent card. There's definitely good stylistic matchups. I think though we always judge the pay per views the name value, right? Who's there and who's not in big fights. You lose a John Jones, you lose probably a top three name in the sport, right? Okay, mm-hmm. that's fair. You have a lot of good fights, so I think that the story of it is gonna be you know, the action you got rather than the the hype and the name value, which doesn't mean it's a bad event. We've had plenty of fights where there wasn't as much name value where guys just went off and it was an amazing night of television. But yeah, going into it, yeah, you lose John Jones. Everyone else now, there's a little more pressure to deliver for the fans who do show up and tune in, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, guys, we'll break it all down. If you're celebrating, remember, have a safe and happy Halloween. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a good one.